The Dennis Devlin Show. You can catch The Dennis Devlin Show on Lake District Radio every Saturday afternoon from 2pm to 5pm. Join me as we travel through the decades and play you the biggest hits from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s and the noughties. That's The Dennis Devlin Show on Lake District Radio every Saturday from 2pm to 5pm. The Dennis Devlin Show. We play you the best mix of music. Atlas Garage Carlisle for all major services and car repairs from brakes to clutches transmissions to exhausts you can call Neil today on 07597 895 719 that's Atlas Garage Carlisle for MOT servicing tyres and all general car maintenance Atlas Garage Carlisle you can call Neil today on 07597 895 719 Atlas Garage Carlisle on Thomas Street Carlisle At Atlas Garage there's always hope on hand to help The Dennis Devlin Show. 
You can catch The Dennis Delvin Show on Lake District Radio every Saturday afternoon from 2pm to 5pm. Join me as we travel through the decades and play you the biggest hits from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s and the noughties. That's The Dennis Delvin Show on Lake District Radio every Saturday from 2pm to 5pm. The Dennis Devon Show. We play you the best mix of music. <laughs> it, is, it is great to have you. How have you, how have you been? Yes, I'm very good. I was on mute because I gave a big, I gave a big hello, my good friend Dennis. How wonderful to speak to you again. But I don't think anyone heard that. So say, <laughs> say it again. My good friend Dennis. I'm so glad and I'm very well. I'm in Herefordshire right now. I'm uh, getting ready for a show at the Courtyard Theatre. I must say, they, they seem to remember that seven years ago I was here. I was asked to do a couple of charity shows to help the football club Hereford United because they were going under. We did two shows uh, and we raised £21,000 for them and we even had a signed ball by all the Chelsea football team. Chelsea football team were trying to help them out as well and that ball went for a few thousand quid as well so they remember it and the show unusually was already sold out uh, it's been sold out for a few weeks so I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing reacquainting with old friends in Hereford very excited to be here wow that's fantastic because you had a big Chelsea man of course aren't you <laughs> I am yes I've been a Chelsea fan since I was five years old actually so uh, I, I'm just a huge football fan you know I've moved to Ipswich I'm in Suffolk right now, and um, I think the the football fans, because they're League One, they're delighted that anyone comes along to support them. They've kind of adopted me as one of their fans. And as a joke, it's terrible because I went to the first three games and they drew 2-2. The first game was 2-2, second game 2-2, third game 2-2. Shot. So I showed up in the fourth game wearing a ballerina's 2-2, and I thought that was a great game. <laughs> Ipswich fans didn't see the satirical nature of it, and they were they were abusing me. And uh, but although I did get I did get propositioned by the away goalkeeper, the away team goalkeeper, and it taught me that football fans are very very harsh, but goalkeepers can be very tender and complimentary. <laughs> oh, that's painful. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine you. It must have been a painful squeeze into the tutu in the first place, on it. And uh, I, it was, and it was terrible walking around football fans. So I said, what the hell is he wearing clothes for? <laughs> nobody got the joke. It was so, this is the problem of being a football fan and a comedy fan. <laughs> that Venn diagram doesn't cross over very much, unfortunately. And of course, you are back in Milan because you are there on the 3rd of November on your The Good Times tour. It is good to have you back. It must be feeling Great to be back on no more of that virtual stuff. Yeah, no, it's it's been terrible, and I, I think I uh, I did mention somewhere in an interview that the the Zoom stuff, the virtual stuff, was okay if you found ways to make people laugh. Like I often used to take my computer to the toilet at the very end and and declare this is the sound of my career, and then I flush the toilet, and um, <laughs> that, that became. That became the standard way that I'd finish a Zoom gig. I haven't quite found as relevant an ending for my show now, but um, I'm very happy to be back. And also coming to Milan uh, and supporting Jackie at the Beggars Theatre. Jackie's an old friend of ours from the Edinburgh Festival. And and I've always liked Jackie. I always liked her her theatre. I like her ethos. She's very... um, 
she likes to support comedy in general. So I think um, wherever I can, even though it's a hell of a long way to, to come, Milam, from, from where, where I live, it, it's always, it's, it, you know, Dennis, the thing is, it's a proper comedy crowd. And I think the, the further north you go, the more you find that people uh, appreciate comedy. Maybe it's something about the weather, that, like the colder it is. Like even when you go like the northernmost tips of them, I did a, I did a, was it the Hebrides I went and I went to um, the Shetland Islands, the Orkneys, I was in or the Orkneys and, and I was amazed at how much people love a laugh there. And then once we did a show, we were very far in the north of the UK, we came right back down to Hastings and it was like dead. The audience was like, I mean, they enjoyed it, but the, the reactions were like half. So uh, there's something about the Beggar's Theatre in, in Milan that every comic loves because it's a, it's a proper comedy crowd and we can't wait for it. It's a proper Cumbrian theatre as well, and Jack doesn't. Jack does an amazing job there, and I know she's listening. So you get she'll be she'll be biting her nails and saying, "Oh, man, hello!" So you can give her a big hello because she is listening right now. I'm sure. Oh, Jackie, we love you. This is the, we, we, you, you know that me and Beth, uh, also my support act, uh, loves her a lot. Boothby, Boothby Graffo is one of the. Uh, you know, he's a proper comedian's comedian, I often say, which, which means he could be good, he could be utterly appalling. And that's, what, that's what a comedian's comedian is. Because even when they're dying, they're dying, comics in the back are always laughing our heads off. But he, he's one of those very, he has a very creative way of looking at life. So, um, but he's a big fan of, of Jackie as well. And, and we both, uh, we both love coming there. We, we love Jackie. And of course, you did the Edinburgh Festival with Jackie, and I believe you had a little bit of dancing. I'm, I'm no doubt there was several shots of whiskey involved, but I believe you and Jackie used to dance a lot because you're a good dancer as we well. Did. She's a great dancer, and uh, in fact, if Jackie, if you're listening, there, there was one night where we were up late. I think there was a there was a few parties. Did they have these <laughs> BBC parties, the late parties, and, 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 and actually, I remember there was a theatre company that said to me, "Would you come and um, see us in the afternoon?" And I went, "Yeah, yeah, you could come." I forgot about it, but I'd been up, and it was at one thirty in the afternoon. I thought I better go. I might as well go now. I'm awake, and I went along and fell asleep. And all I remember was that there were, the lights were on and they were tidying up, and they, they were just angrily. <laughs> I apparently had snored all the way through, and I think there was only about ten people there, and I was laying across. I was lying across five seats. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so memories with Jackie did have pretty bad consequences afterwards. It's strange because Jackie's a non-stop girl. She just doesn't stop. She does everything. She's right now doing. A, she does a hundred miles, and she does five miles every day. She's a hundred miles for charity, walking hundred miles for charity. She does yoga. She swims. She runs. I mean, I, I couldn't keep up with her, I'll be honest with you. I mean, she, even when she's talking, she's, she's quicker than me. Honestly, I mean, she's faster than me, and I'm Scottish. Well, the thing is, that the, that's the thing I'm worried about, Jackie, because apparently she's lost a lot of weight, and when I see her, I'm going to tell her that if she walks into a snooker hall, they will chalk her head. <laughs> she, uh, I'm worried. She, she was, she was you, know, you know, men like the curves, and uh, if she's too thin, I'm, I'm, I, I retract all of my compliments. <laughs> <laughs> Omid, where has been? Where has probably been the most exotic place you've ever performed? Oh, uh, without doubt, Qatar. I was uh, wow. I'm very lucky that you know, as comedians, we get to see the world. I've toured across America. I've toured across um, the Middle East, and I would say Qatar was the the, the most extraordinary place because there was so. I don't remember the gig very much, but I do remember what they laid on for me afterwards. They were very, they're very keen to change the way we see the Middle East. 
because of the World Cup, because they, they all know, they're yeah. very aware that everyone thinks that they've bought the World Cup and everything. The World Cup is, is, is next November. It's, it's literally a year, a year and a month away. Actually, probably just a year away now. And, yeah, um, that, yeah. They took me. They took me to the modern slave. The, 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 there's a slavery, uh, uh, the modern day slavery museum, and they're very keen for people to know that slavery was not just people going from um, East Africa over to America. It was actually from West Africa as well, going to the Middle East. So, 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 so the Middle Easterners feel very responsible for a lot of slavery as well. It's not just a Western thing. And they're really taking responsibility, and they, they are aware of modern day slavery, like where people from Philippines who come along, they, they you know, they offer them, you know, like ten thousand pounds a month, and when they get there, they give them, they give them like a hundred pounds a month, and they hold their passports. So it's a pretty serious thing, which they're which they're trying to educate the world about, yeah. and. Um, and stupidly, they, they gave me, I, I, on, when I was on stage, I said they were very keen to do it. And I said how great the museum was. And they said, Mr. Jalili, we'd like to give you a little gift to say thank you for seeing the Modern Slavery Museum. And please, will you accept as a gift a small child here to do all your washing? And I said, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't like that at all. They were so upset. They were so upset because, because they said, have you learned nothing? They're the best <laughs> gags, Oma. They're the ones that, the gags that get you into trouble are the best ones, aren't they? Yes, and I've got a few. I actually I actually talk about it in my new show. I do talk about how um one good thing about the pandemic is that we've all we realise that we've all gone through the same thing and I've mentioned this before, like the, the whole analogy of the human body. We realise when we're all going through the same thing, we all feel the same pain. It's a bit like the, the, the little toe in your foot is furthest away from your brain. But when you stub your foot, it really hurts. And that's, that's, that's humanity. And that's the way, as we get more mature, we will feel more for culture, cultures and countries further away. It's not just about taking care of your own. We are one human body. So if someone somewhere far away is suffering, we suffer. And I think because of that, we no longer uh, tolerate jokes about the other. We've become more politically correct. We have, yeah. And, and, I think that, and I think that's a good thing. So I do talk about, uh, you know, doing comedy in the new normal, what is offensive now. And, and some of my, when we say some of the good jokes, I mean, I've got a couple of belters uh, which got me into trouble, which are, you have to come see the show. <laughs> they, are, they were worth getting cancelled for, but actually, <laughs> and actually uh, I, I will tell them, and, and nobody thinks I should be cancelled, but I, I do mention all my most cancellable jokes on stage, and, and I push back. I push back on this whole thing about accents because... Um, I think I, I, I've, I've mentioned that basically people mark me down, like reviewers. I've only ever been reviewed by white, middle-class, middle-aged English guys who always say, oh, here comes accent boy, he sings and he dances. And I always say, but that's my, but that's my culture. You know, we, we have a very joyous culture. We, you know, and when I, when I mimic an accent, it's not because I'm making fun of someone. I'm not punching down. I like the musicality of the way people speak, like... I, I, I've mentioned to you that you sound a little bit like Ali McCoy's because Ali McCoy's is extremely cow, and I mean that as a, as a compliment. He's a very uh, charismatic person. We love his Lanarkshire accent. But, but at the same time, 
um, I push back because because if, if I'm marked down for doing accents and singing and dancing, it would, it would be like Stuart Lee going to Iran and getting a review saying, or oh, here comes Stuart Lee with this searing political satire. <laughs> Who wants to listen to this two stars? You know, and I think that, that so I push back about that woke culture is something I'm all for, but there are limits even for me, and there are some things I just refuse to bend to. So I think it'd be interesting to, to, to talk about, uh, and I'm trying to make it more relevant to everyone that everybody has to be more careful. Remember, we used to send, used to like your inbox and your emails used to be jokes. There are very few jokes now people pass around because no, you're scared to, aren't you? So, People are too scared now. So, so I deal with that whole thing. That's just an aspect of being in the new normal. But I, I, I really hope people come and see the show. It's been very well received, and, and I'm, I'm really loving doing it. It is, and it's a whirlwind too. And, of course, one of the things you do talk about, and I really like this in your show, is, of course, the way that football fans have sort of become capable of outing those now. They now out them, these, these mindless fools who... Oh. Just, it's magnificent. I mean, in the old days, you know, like I'm a Chelsea fan, and I know we've got a racist element there, or we used to have anyway. In fact, just before lockdown, I think Raheem Sterling was playing for Manchester City, and there were three or four Chelsea fans who were really abusing him. And then they got they got outed by the club, and they were you know thrown out of the club. They've been given like lifetime bans. Whereas what was interesting to me, the fans around them didn't say a word because even though. Racists are not in the majority. You you are afraid to call them out because you might get your head kicked in. So now fans uh, self police in the most amazing ways. So I'm, 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 I I talk about that and I talk about the reports coming in and it's really fantastic what they're doing. So that's the, that's the main thing. We think after George Floyd, the Black Lives Matter will fans self police and they are and that's that's the most wonderful thing now the fans are back in that's one of the most wonderful things about the new normal people people do stand up and stop anything that that is really things that you just don't want your kids to hear if you, if you go to football much with your kids and with your friends yeah. or your wives you don't want you know, and, and, and people are being empowered to i suppose you know self-police which is wonderful yeah it brings back that family element again doesn't it because football's becoming yeah. a family you can take the kids there again because people are doing this they are stopping it they're not standing for it anymore we are a changing yeah. breed you know i think lockdowns had a lot to do with that as well you know what i mean it's completely completely and i think it's not just football shouldn't be just about a people a bunch of people to it used to be like oh but they're not men mentally ill they've just had a rough time let them let them let off some steam in a in a football stadium but the thing is if someone's letting off steam like that one person screaming and shouting at the top of their voices there's about three or four thousand people hear that around you and it's like do you really want to do you really want to hear that no, kind of no exactly and, and, and people are just not taking it anymore it's wonderful to see it is now looking at the flip side obviously i know comedians i've been to see kevin bridges a couple of times and some other comedians and one of the things they always oh, get... i love kevin bridges can i just say i think he's one of the most underrated comedians absolutely in the country. And do you know what I love? He, he takes the hecklers. He loves a good heckler. He oh, loves, okay. Have you had a couple of hecklers and you take them on on with? I think it's it's not about taking them on. It's, 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 I often can't understand what they're saying. From Rose End. I have to just decipher what they're saying first. But I, it, it's never about taking them on. It's always about engaging with them, I think. If, if someone really shouts something, because you never know, sometimes it's quite helpful. I mean, there was... One woman said something to her friend, and I said, come on, what, what, what are you saying? And then she said something to her friend, she, and it was basically, 
a callback to something I'd said. And I said what she said, and the audience laughed their heads off. I said, right, that will be even funnier when I say <laughs> that tomorrow. <laughs> I just nicked her gag. So sometimes it's actually quite helpful, some of the things they say, but sometimes it's not helpful or sometimes they, they ruin it. But I, it, it's impossible for it, for it to be ignored. That's the thing. Now, on Twitter, things that people heckle you and shout things, you can ignore them and that's fine. But if, but if there's, uh, yeah, but, but, but Kev, Kevin's a master at that. And he's only, what, 33 or, he's quite a young guy, but he's so experienced. Now, but anyway, sorry, you were saying about keep seeing Kevin Bridges and, and what were you saying? Well, I mean, I, when I saw Kev, I remember the first time I saw him, he was, it was, I was outside, because I see him quite a lot at the football. And one of the things he was talking about, how he's now that he's successful now, he said the first thing, yeah. the most important thing he noticed was he'd moved out of Clyde Bank. And he said, it was amazing because I walked down the street, there was no dog poo. And he said, the bus shelters had glass windows. <laughs> 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 you know, and I love that kind of, I love that kind of straightforwardness with him. And, and I always think with you, you're a, you're a kind of, you're a dry guy, but you, I love I love the way you come across. You know, it's entertaining, but it's also educational. You know, you you educate us on the road as well, Omid. Do you know what's really interesting? I did a show at the Cadogan Hall in London, and um, the, the, one of the owners came. Is Mr. Julian here? We we like what you talk about. I think you need <laughs> to educate English people about white privilege. We really thank you for this. Do carry on. It's marvellous. I myself. You know, when I used to live in Rhodesia, we had that many slaves. Uh, and I also felt it was very wrong. <laughs> That's brilliant. It's wonderful that people, at least they, these people are listening to me now, which is such a bonus. So, of course, you're in Millham, and then, of course, you cross the border into, I think you're in Lancaster, aren't you, the next day? That'll be an interesting one. Are we allowed to talk about Lancaster? Listen, this is late District Radio. There are no borders. We don't have borders and anything. We are a station open to all, even Lancastrians. How about that? How wonderful. 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 Yeah, I'm in Lancaster the next day. So, if Millham sells out, you can always come over to Lancaster. That would be brilliant. And so, I'll just... One of the things is I've been dying to ask you is, of course, you are you're an Iranian, and of course, they have some of the best food in the world and the biggest hospitalities. Yes. And of course, don't they have a little uh, secret get together now, a little illegal get together now, a little house party now and again? Oh God, yes, they are. Iranians are they're party people. If you go to LA, all the kind of house parties, actually, even in Iran. I, I met some Indian blokes. There was a guy fixing my tires. He goes, are you Iranian? I said, yes. And he said, wow, listen, I've got to tell you, I go to Iran for the house parties. I said, where? He reeled off all these towns, Shiraz, Isfahan, northern Tehran. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, the house parties are just unbelievable because they're not, a lot of things go underground, all the stuff that, you know, even playing music, playing music is illegal. You know, they're, they're so so what they do, they have pe people with massive basements can have these house parties and they're absolutely tremendous. The food is incredible. It's a, it's a party town. It's a party place. So and the Iranians always laugh because, yeah, yeah, you all think we're like kind of Islamic fundamentalists. <laughs> <laughs> we're all, we're like, it's like the most extreme rave <laughs> when, you get the, when you get inside the country. So, yeah, the. But the food is amazing, I have to say. That's uh, one great thing I've seen. There are restaurants. And when I lived in London, I could see these builders, English builders, that they're eating Persian food. And they go, oh, I mean, I said, what do you guys do? He goes, yeah, we're, we're just going someone's house around the corner. As you come here for lunch, because yeah, we love a bit of festin' June, a bit of gourmet sabzi, a bit of kebab. Oh, yeah. They knew all the words. 
they knew all the dishes and everything. And it was like, they, they go, well, well, we love a bit of Festa in June. Because Georgia, they were saying, do you know what I like? I like the way <laughs> the walnuts are in with the pomegranate and a little bit of garlic. And it really, when you marinate, the chicken's really tender. It's lovely with the lovely rice. And it's like, <laughs> they knew all this stuff. And I, and I love the fact that Iranian food's getting more popular. So it's, it's, it's very cool. It, Iranian food is the, is the new Indian food of the 70s. So I think that's the, everyone's kind of hip to it now. So if you haven't had Iranian food, go to your local Iranian restaurant. It's brilliant food. I can vote for it. I spent some time in Tehran. It was beautiful. And the people were, were I thought, it was, I mean, only thing I will say, don't get a Tehranian taxi. It's, it really oh, is. It's, it's, it's a journey you will never forget. I got a taxi in Tehran and realised this probably wasn't the cleverest thing to do. Firstly, he didn't understand a word that I said. I didn't understand a word he said. I just showed him a picture. He said, we go. <laughs> and he didn't. Yeah. We just went. <laughs> and it's like, it was chaos. I've never seen anything like it. Maybe we were just flying. They're trained to swerve livestock. It's amazing. And the stuff he had in the boot of his car, was, uh, he was trying to sell me stuff. And I was like, my man's a taxi driver. He showed me, the, he's obviously a tour guide as well. He showed me the areas, showed me the local power plants and stuff like that. Explain that they are power plants, nothing to worry about there. Let's move along to the market. You know, and he was just, and he was trying to sell me stuff. And he was such a funny guy as well. But I didn't understand a word he said, to be honest. But it was the most beautiful time I've ever had in my life. And, and I think people do have an image of Iran is this cold, dark place, and it's portrayed by the press. And until you actually go there and experience how wonderful it is, the markets, the people, the spices, the foods, oh, it's one of the most beautiful countries in the world, Ahmed. Well, uh, you know, we should hire you on behalf of the Iranian Tourist Board. That was the most amazing uh, amazing plug for the country. But they do, it doesn't surprise me because nobody has one job there. Everyone has a vibe. If you meet anyone from Iran, they say, I say, what do you do? He goes, well... I sell jewelry, fried chicken, <laughs> motorcycle insurance, and buy acting. Well, I'm just saying that might have been on the list of waffles that I got when I was there. Lucky enough, I was still young enough not to have that problem, to be honest, and didn't require the Viagra. <laughs> But he did manage to find me some Calvin Klein one, but it wasn't quite it wasn't quite CK one. But he assured me it was as close as you'll get to CK one <laughs> for that price. He still bought some underwear from that hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so what can we expect from you in the future, Ahmed? What have you got planned after the tour? I have um let's see, I, I can talk about it now because we are filming in December. I've I've got a very interesting show that I'm doing. Um it's never been tried before. Um, I'm doing a Persian language talk show for BBC Persia, which which actually is one of the biggest platforms in the world. They they reach about not just like they've got an audience of like 12 million in Iran, but 40 million around the world. That we're also doing the same show in the English language. So I've got I've got a talk show in two languages, and wow. hopefully, hopefully it'll become. We hope. It'll hold the record for most viewership on the planet for a comedy show. So it's never been tried before, the same show in two languages. So it's, it should be interesting. I've never tried it before. It's, it's an initiative of BBC Persia. They saw me host a, um, a Persian language talk, late night talk show. Uh, and by the way, they don't have these shows in Iran. It was a, it's a shot, a show that's shot, shot in Dubai. 
and uh, it goes around the world. And I was a guest on it, and I got I got on really well with the guest. And he said, "Would you like to host the show?" So I hosted it once, and uh, so BBC Persia have come in and say, "Would you like your own show?" I but like it's difficult this. because it's, it's, even though my, it's my mother tongue, it's the parent, it's my, the language I was raised speaking. But English, of course, is my first language, and I have never lived in Iran, so I don't have the nuances, I don't have the the language. But what I'm trying to do is learn everything about um, Iranian culture and, and try and read Iranian books. Because if you really, really want to get into your culture, I remember um, someone told me that, that an Irish poet had written to, to I think to. Um, not James Joyce, it was to Samuel Beckett saying, what should I do if I want to be a great writer? And he goes, well, if you're Irish, you should read James Joyce. Read me. Read, read all the great Irish greats. Be familiar with Irish culture. Be familiar with Irish literature. And then you can become a great poet. So I'm in the process while I'm on tour. I'm reading Iranian books. I'm going on, watching as much stuff as I can. Uh, of what that's available online of the stuff that's going on inside Iran and trying to bring myself up to speed with the culture. So because it's a huge thing to, to, to do a show in that language and to be like a late night talk show when you haven't lived in the country. So it's an experiment. It, it may backfire or it could be something that is really exciting has never been done before. So I'm focused on that right now. Yeah, I can imagine it'll be, you're such a focused guy and everything you put into it and the energy you have as a, as a human being will shine through and I don't think there'll be a problem there, but I think that'll be very successful and I, I, I mean, actually I look forward to watching that, obviously. I don't see it ever myself hosting my own TV show, I, I just don't see it to be honest, I think any guest that would come on there would probably spend the same five minutes asking me, what did you just say there mate? <laughs> can you... It might be the same with me can you just slow down there? I didn't quite get what you You've got quite a thick, quite a thick Scottish accent you've got there, Mr. Devon. Just, just, <laughs> you can just slow it down a little bit. <laughs> slow it down a bit. Yeah. Well, I'll well, tell you what, if I'm ever on trial in Iran, I'll, I'll, I'll bring you as a witness to try and say this guy's got the energy. And I think it's, it's, you should give him a show. I might be on trial. It might be the end of me. So. I'll always fill in for you, mate. If you need a voiceover, I'm there for you, mate. You can count on me. If you need a voiceover or a bad guy, I'm sure I can play Because Scottish guys always play bad guys, you know. It's just written in the wind. If you're going to write a movie, no matter where you are in the world, you need a bad Scottish guy. You need a guy with a really bad Scottish accent. doesn't matter what soap it is. So if you need a bad guy, I'm that guy, oh, mate. I can't do Ali McCoy still. <laughs> Audition noted. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Omid, of course you are in Hereford tonight at the Courtyard, I believe. Yeah, that's right. And coming to you next, that's my next gig is Millam. So and then we will, on we will see you on the 3rd of November at, of course, the Beggars Theatre. I can't thank you enough, Omid. It's been an absolute honour and a pleasure talking to you. And I know Jackie right now, well, Jackie will just go nuts right now. She'll just be like, oh, oh, bye. <laughs> Uh, but if you're listening, Jackie, we can't wait. We'll, we'll, we'll try and get to the venue early so we have a cup of coffee together first. Look well, forward to it. Absolutely. Omid, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I hope you have a lovely evening tonight, and I look forward to welcoming you into Cumbria, and, of course, welcome back to Milham. Omid Shalili, it has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, and I'd love to be here. If you come along, just make sure you bring a translator. <laughs> I'll bring a pocket one there. The Google Translator for Scottish is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Have a good evening. Take care. Bye, Owen. Bye. 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 Bye.
Well, there you have it. They're very lovely. They're very talented. Omid Jalili. How lucky are we? Good afternoon. It is, of course, a Saturday afternoon, and you can get yourself along to the Beggars Theatre. You, you can't go wrong in Millam on the 3rd. There are tickets available. You can give them a call on 01229 775677. That's 01229 775677. That's the Beggars Theatre in Millam. And, of course, the lovely Omid is there on the 3rd. We are blessed. It is a lovely Saturday afternoon. And of course, you are listening to the Dennis Devlin Show on Late District Radio. <laughs> Join as Dad falls across the lake. Join me, the Dennis Devlin Show Halloween Special, as I saw. Blood curl and your skin fall. The Dennis Devlin Show Halloween Special. Dare you? <laughs> So I- 
telling the truth But I don't mind though I got pride oh I'm coming through Yeah, yeah I'm a dark soul but a good night I got champagne in my head flat I'ma get drunk, trying to let go Control, don't know where to draw the line. They'll not get all the same, but I'm a vibe. Ordinary day my life. It's better to be a freak of nature than to live a
Show. You can catch The Dennis Devon Show on Lake District Radio every Saturday afternoon from 2pm to 5pm. Join me as we travel through the decades and play you the biggest hits from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s and the noughties. That's The Dennis Devon Show on Lake District Radio every Saturday from 2pm to 5pm. The Dennis Devon Show. We play you the best mix of music. Atlas Garage Carlisle for all major services and car repairs from brakes to clutches transmissions to exhausts you can call Neil today on 07597 895 719 that's Atlas Garage Carlisle for MOTs, servicing, tyres and all general car maintenance Atlas Garage Carlisle you can call Neil today on 07597 895 719 Atlas Garage Carlisle on Thomas Street Carlisle At Atlas Garage there's always hope on hand to help
join as God's cross across the lake. Join me, the Dennis Devish Halloween special, as I resolve to make your blood curl and your skin fall. The Dennis Devish Halloween special. Dare you? Ha 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 ha!